0: You are listening to the Business Society podcast, formerly known as Think Like a CFO. The Business Society is a podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners, where we talk all about what it means to be an entrepreneur and manage the money in your business and personal life. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA with over 20 years of experience working with entrepreneurs just like you. And I am here to share my knowledge and love of all things business. Check out my blog at thebusinesssociety.co and make sure you check out my articles at forbes.com. Nicole Delarzac is a product expert and the host of the Productpreneur podcast. Nicole helps entrepreneurs go from product idea to launch with her online business courses and coaching programs. Here today to share her knowledge with us, I welcome Nicole Delarzac hey nicole welcome to the business society podcast i'm so glad to have you here today how are you thank
1: you so much for having me i'm so
0: great how are you oh i'm doing good thank you so my fellow canadian you're up in well the outskirts of toronto right you're in oakville is it Okay, perfect. Yes. So would you love to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a bit about your business?
1: Absolutely. Yes, I'm Nicole Delarzac, and I'm a product business coach and I help entrepreneurs with a product idea launch and scale it so that they have a business that gives them the freedom they deserve. My mission is actually to make it more accessible, especially for women entrepreneurs to launch and scale. And I use proven methods that I've used from my previous experience with corporate clients and big brands to help entrepreneurs build their businesses.
0: I absolutely love that because I find, for the most part, I I deal with a lot of service-based businesses. And product-based businesses bring a different challenge for entrepreneurs and business owners. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, I mean... There are, it seems like there's lots of resources for service based businesses and I don't find there's as many for product businesses. And I really love to serve product businesses because there's so many unique challenges. I mean, just in terms of building something like a physical product where, you know, people can touch it and feel it and use it. You have to make sure it's usable. Like there's so many dimensions of that. And then all the way to producing it, manufacturing it, creating a brand for it, and then the inventory and production, all that kind of stuff. Like there's so many components. So I think that it's definitely a need. And I think that product business owners do need that guidance.
0: For sure. I mean, the steps involved are crazy. And you know what? Like I totally would love to do a product-based business, but I lack the creativity to think of something new to bring to market that would actually succeed, right? I I just find like, for me personally, I think, and I know this isn't true, but and maybe these are my mindset issues, whatever. I just always think like, everything's been done. What can I possibly bring to market, like a product to market that people would actually use? Do you ever have clients who feel like that? Or does... Or do they always come to you with their brilliant ideas and they know exactly what they want to do and you're just there to guide them through the process?
1: You know, it's funny you say that because if you think that I like the thought that everything's been done, then there would be no new innovation, no inventions. So everything hasn't been done. It's just that I think it's a mindset thing that people think that they can't come up with an idea or they don't, they're not creative enough to come up with an idea And so typically the people who come to me are people who already have an idea, but I want to challenge your listeners because (laughs) I am sure they're out there thinking, oh, I don't have an idea. No, you definitely have an idea in you. Like think of, you've probably had so many times when you're like, oh my gosh, I just wish there was something that could do this or solve this. And so whatever you think of in that vein, there's a product for that right? So yeah. think of your everyday problems. Like there's, there's always a problem that you come up with and you, and you may not be aware of it. So you may now you're going to start to become more aware of it where you're going to be like, Oh, wish there was a, a so-and-so to solve that. And there's probably so many times, I don't know if you've ever had this, Melissa, when you're like, okay, somebody's got to launch this. And then somebody actually launches it and they're like, Oh damn, I came up with, th- up with that idea. Yes. That's yes, That's totally happened.
0: Yeah. That's happened to me. But it too. happened like, you know, to age myself here, it usually happened in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oh, it funny. doesn't really happen in current day, you know, situations. Cause I'm like, you know, I usually look at my husband. I'll be like, okay, here's my problem. What's my solution. He'll be like, the dollar store has this and this and this. Right. right so I right. think if anybody was to create a product in this house, it would be my husband because he's extremely creative, yeah. you know, but he just, I don't know. I should ask him, why haven't you done this?
1: I, I think you think you, you're you not creative, but I bet you are. I mean, just looking at your business, you are creative, think of all of the things that you've come up with. So I'd like to challenge my, my uh, students or my the people I work with to really stretch their ideas beyond what they current even what they currently think of and just go way beyond that through different ways. But I bet you you have a ton of ideas in you and we can just pull that out of you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know what, you're probably going to get me thinking a lot about this after we wrap up today, because I'm like, you know, I'm taking this as a personal challenge, like there's got to be something I can think of. Because, you know, when you're creating a product, it's so it's such a process, right? So let's just say, for example, I don't know, I'm just gonna pretend like, I don't know, I came up with this new eyeliner. So you have to, like, actually create the prototype and stuff. So to me, that also seems like a very overwhelming challenge. It's like, well, okay, if I have this idea in my head, how do I bring it to fruition?
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's the first objection people have is typically okay, I've got this idea, but now what? And it seems so overwhelming and all the steps. But yeah, there's definitely steps. And that's what I help my clients do is go through all the steps of the product development so that they don't feel that overwhelm. So we always start out with, for example, like ideation. We come up with many, many, many ideas. We stretch your ideas further. Then we get into something called concept testing, where we test your ideas amongst other ideas. So your eyeliner may be against some other idea that you might have or against other eyeliners out there or whatever. Then we get into sort of the development of it and briefing suppliers. So you might not be the person actually making the eyeliner. Probably you won't be right? So you'd oh, basically okay. take a, you, you'd write a brief to a supplier to develop the product. So you'd write, okay, these are the must haves of my product. These are the nice to haves of my product. So I want it to be, for example, I want it to be vegan and I want it to cost this much. And it's got to have this ingredient and it's got to be non-allergenic and like whatever your Requirements are that you're promising with your product. You would brief a supplier who already makes these products. They would come up with a prototype and then you would test it out amongst consumers, make sure that something that people like, you might tweak it a bit more. So you go through all those steps. You're not just doing it on your own, unless you're a maker, like if you're making products, then yeah, you would be making them. But other than that, like you are working with companies who've already made these products before.
0: So okay, let's say I do have an idea. How would I find, and you said it's a manufacturer that you send them to,
1: to to create these? So sometimes it's a manufacturer, sometimes it's a developer or designer first. So for example, at the prototype stage, you might have, depending on what the product is, right, you might have an engineer work on the design of it and create a prototype. And then at that point, you would take it to a manufacturer for them to produce once you've got this working prototype. Or, you know, in case of clothing, you might have an idea for a piece of clothing, you would go and get a designer to design, do like do the technical drawings for it, and then take that to clothing manufacturer. Sometimes there's a couple of steps. You're not necessarily the one doing all the designs and the making of it. And and you can come up with prototypes on your own that are really basic. Like I've got clients who've uh, one client who came up with a Bristol board purse as a prototype and then took that to a sewing factory and asked them to come up with a prototype for that. So like you can get pretty creative and work with what you have and then get someone to make it for you.
0: Yeah. Now a question that I have while we're talking about this, I'm thinking this sounds really expensive too. So there must be like a certain cash outlay, like an investment type of outlay that you need to put out for creating a product. So what is the average cost for something like this? I guess it depends on what you're, what you're
1: making. It really depends on what you're making. So it could be like, for example, And I always tell my clients, keep it in mind when you're coming up with product ideas, what is what is feasible for you at this stage versus, you know, some products are less expensive to produce. So if you were to come up with a product idea that requires, maybe you want to have a prototype, a 3D rendering, and then a prototype, and then you also want to patent it. And then you need to get it manufactured. And also they need to do special like have special tooling done and and whatnot, like that is probably the most expensive process you can think of. Whereas if you were to just make the products yourself, starting out by making yourself and then eventually getting a manufacturer to, to make it for you or just training people to make it for you, that would be a much lower cost way of going about it. So it really depends on the product. So it can cost, you know, cost from basically... Nothing like you doing it in your DIY, in your house, making candles type of thing versus going to manufacturers and getting these models done and spending thousands of dollars. Like for example, a patent would cost you potentially around $10,000 just for a patent, right? And then you've got all the other costs along the way. So you really have to figure out How much you have to invest as one of the deciding factors of which idea you're going to go with because you know, you don't want to get too far down the line and realize that you don't have the money to invest. So then
0: if people have and, you know, listeners know that, you know, I'm obviously a very money oriented person. And I want to make sure that nobody decides, hey, I want to go out and create a product. And I'm going to go bankrupt myself doing this without really understanding if there's a need for it in the market. So if like, I've heard that, you know, you need to test the market, see if there's a demand for it, how would you go about doing something like that?
1: Yes, definitely. So before we would even go forward with doing anything with the idea, I always encourage my clients to do some concept testing. So initially we come up with a bunch of concepts and concepts are like written and visual portrayals of what your product is going to be. So basically you describe your product, the benefits, what the price is, where they can find it, all that kind of, all those details. And then you have like a little image for they, for them to understand and visually see what it could be. Then we test that with consumers, like their target audience to see if, if there's appetite for it, if it's something that they would buy, if they understand it, if they, you know, think something could be improved. What kind of price range would they pay for it? Like all these different questions. And we would do that to make sure, first of all, we should like make a go, no go decision right then, if that's worth pursuing. And then we also talk to consumers and get richer information through either interviews or focus groups. So that's, that's the point where like you do that before even coming up with these very expensive prototypes or starting to get manufacturers involved. And then once you have the manufacturers involved and you make a prototype, we would also do some testing to make sure that it's a working prototype, that it's like it works properly, that people like it. So we get feedback at that point. So we're getting feedback all along the way. Before we go out and do anything else, we're also going to be looking at a business plan and looking like, can we even sell this at a price that makes sense, Is or do the costs make sense? So we also want to make sure that the financials are working for them. Absolutely. Then, yeah, <laughs> you're the finance person. And we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit more
0: detail soon, but go on.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that is like, definitely there's, I mean, I was in corporate where we would be going all the way down the line to the business, business plan stage and realize, oh, actually, we can't even Make money and it does like it doesn't make sense for us to move forward. So we would cancel it at that point. So there are stages along the way as we go through the process where we figure out, okay, does it even make sense? And then before producing a ton of units, I encourage my clients to do some pre-selling build their audience, even pre-sell using a crowdfunding campaign or even with landing pages or even like starting to build their email list so they have an audience to sell to. And we try to produce as local as possible with smaller batches so we're not getting into like producing thousands and thousands of units when the product hasn't even been proven yet. So those are just different ways to mitigate risk.
0: What types of products do you generally see from your clients?
1: Uh, it really varies. There's lots of different types. So anything from there's been clothing, like apparel, to candles and home, like maker type products, to products where they have to go through the process of like, it's like a tool. So they're actually making something with 3D printing and then actually like making physical prototypes and that kind of stuff. So it's really a wide range. It could be anything. It could be printed items as well, like the cards, for example, or journals. So so many different types of products. It Really, there's a whole range of them.
0: I love that. When people are creating, well, like, you know, putting. Pretty- putting a plan together for their products. There's going to be a lot of costs associated with it. And we talked about a lot of the initial cash outlays, but what about the costs associated with the actual product? Because as you know, you know, I'm going to be looking at a product and I'm going to be making sure that each product that I'm selling is going to have a decent profit margin. Otherwise, you know, as we mentioned, there's, if you're not making money on the product, there's no point in selling it. So the type of costs that you see associated with products, I mean, a lot of it is the direct cost of actually making it. So the labor that goes into it, the materials that go into it, and then there's the indirect cost. Do you want to maybe take over that conversation or should I keep going? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, that's- you're the expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we would, we would you know, look at the whole P and L, the profit and loss statement, and we would look at the cost of making the goods. So the cost of goods sold. So that includes the the actual materials, but also the labor involved. And it depends if you're making it yourself. So if you're making it yourself, you've got to account for like all the material costs and then actually the labor costs.
0: So many people don't factor in their own labor, right? Right. So you have to make sure that you factor in your labor because you need to make money off this.
1: Yeah, you've got to factor in your own labor. And then if you are buying it from a manufacturer, they're giving you typically the whole cost of the actual product. And then you're looking at all the indirect costs, there's things, you know, obviously the the marketing, the legal, the insurance, all those other costs that come into play that are more like fixed costs that don't depend on how many, the quantity that you're selling, but they're just stuff that you've got to pay for as a business. That is also in your profit and loss statement. But what I try to make sure is that they are, whatever the cost of the product is, we Target for you to be selling it at about at least four times the price. And and that, sometimes you won't get that right away in the first year, say, cause your product, like your production costs are going to be higher. But the reason for that is that, okay, so if you're selling it on your website, you're going to make the full margin, which is great. But if you are selling it to retailers who, so selling it wholesale, they're going to want to have the 50% margin. So then you know, if you're basically selling it at 50% of the price, then you'd be making nothing. So you want to make something right. So typically, it's like at least four times at least.
0: So that's your advice when you're trying to figure out the, the pricing of the product is four times the amount of the cost.
1: That's, that's my advice when we're trying to figure out the target cost of the product. Okay. For pricing, it's not only the cost, you don't only only want to think of what the cost is. But it's also thinking of like, what are people valuing? And what are they willing to pay? So you really have to also understand the consumer end of it, like, what is your What are your competitors charging? What did somebody say that they would be willing to pay for your product? What's kind of like the maximum they would feel comfortable with? Like, all, there's kind of a range there. And so, if you're just looking at your cost and just going, okay, well, I'm going to charge four times my cost, and then nobody's willing to pay for it, then really, it's not going to be a viable business either.
0: That's true. Pricing I always find very difficult.
1: Yeah, it is difficult. It's a challenge. I mean, there's pricing experts that are like tip. They just solely focus on pricing out there. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've had somebody on my podcast when she just, all she does is pricing, which is interesting. Hmm. It's like a whole that is interesting. specialty.
0: Yeah, yeah. It would be because, you know, it, it basically price would be dictated by the market, the supply that's, and demand and all the economics of it. <laughs> that's, that's about right. as much as I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely, it's, it's dependent on what people are willing to spend. And there's a model where they ask you different questions on, pricing there's four questions that they ask you it's so interesting because it really does get to the maximum and the like the max and the lowest price that you can put and so you need to be like somewhere in between they're kind of guardrails for your price it's a very interesting study you can you do
0: Mm, that does sound interesting.
1: So then if I have my products
0: and I'm selling them on my website and, you know, somebody comes and orders some, then I have to, you know, deal with the shipping costs and all the packaging and stuff. And so all these numbers have to be factored into the cost of the product as well. Am I correct?
1: Yes. So the shipping cost, are you saying the shipping cost that someone sends to you or? That you're well, it's going
0: customers? to cost me to, to mail out this product because how else? Does the product get right. delivered, right? So do you charge them to ship it or do you absorb the cost of shipping? Like there's a lot of questions mm-hmm. that I have around, you know, trying to keep your costs low, but still respecting what the customer is willing to pay for it. Because I know for me, totally. like if I have to pay for shipping, chances are I'm not going to order it.
1: Totally. Okay. So first of all, you you have to pay the shipping like of the pro So part of your product cost is your shipping that comes to you. Like if you're housing it, if you're housing inventory, you're factoring that shipping. And then the shipping that goes Mm -hmm. when you sell Mm -hmm. it to consumers, like to your audience, yes, you've got to factor in that shipping and either you're paying for it if you're doing free shipping or your customer is paying for the shipping on top of their product. And let me tell you the most powerful promotion is free shipping. It's the number one promotion. It's the most effective okay. because people okay. don't want to pay for shipping. It's just like No. It's not the that's not what they're buying. They're buying your product. They don't want to see a shipping cost associated because that's like it doesn't add value to the product. Mm-hmm. So, as much as you can if you're a product owner, you want to get to either, you know, Free shipping is like free shipping, no minimums, no restrictions is the ultimate, but that can be hard because if you have a lower cost product, it's just not feasible. Like you can't ship a $10 product with free shipping. It's just going to be really difficult. So, cause you've got to cover the costs. So sometimes like often stores will have free shipping with a minimum order of say 50 or a hundred dollars, which makes sense. Cause at least they have quantities to back it up and then they can ship to that. And then also they're, they're promoting that people purchase more at once. Like they're increasing the cart size. And so that's always good for the product owners.
0: And it totally works me for me as a consumer. If I want to order a $10 thing, and I'm going to be charged shipping, you bet I'm going to fill my cart up to $50 to get that free shipping because sure. like it makes no sense. But then I order stuff that I don't even need. So it's not like the best strategy for me to be doing this. Yeah, A couple of times when I realized that I'm like, okay, I need to curb my spending here. I will suck up the shipping. But I think I've only done that once or twice in my life.
1: It's true. It's true. And so, yeah, it's I even for like holidays, like Black Friday, you have to yeah yeah free shipping even free shipping no minimums like if you can do that because i I think on average as a business you get rewarded for that and it comes back to you and your customers love it so if you can do it for sure
0: now what about cross-border shipping are those does that typically bring up a whole bunch of issues for product-based businesses
1: it's a good question yeah sometimes there's duties involved and so yeah it's it's and it's more expensive and costly but even with cro- like cross border shipping like if you can offer the free shipping and it's a more expensive product and so you can do that then i would as a business owner absorb that cost and just just factor it into the price of your product if possible. But I know that can not that's not affordable for every product business.
0: Now are there rules about selling
1: products from one country to another?
0: Not just the shipping, but the actual selling of the product?
1: Yes, it just depends on the product. For example it does eh. Yeah, so for example, it just depends on the rules of that country. There was somebody that I worked with and she was doing C B D skincare and okay. she couldn't actually ship it within Canada. She had to sell it from the U.S. So she houses it in the U.S. and then sells it to Canadians or to the U.S. So I don't know, it's just, there can be complicated restrictions, but it just depends on the product. But if it's a standard product, it's not as tricky.
0: Perfect. Well, if it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. And I love talking about things that I normally don't know a lot about. So product-based businesses definitely is one of them. I mean, I know how to do the, the management accounting part of a product-based business, but I don't have a lot of knowledge behind the whole structuring of the business and getting that product prototype and getting it out to market and testing it and all sorts of things. So I've really appreciated this conversation. If there's one thing that you want listeners to take away from this conversation today, what would that be?
1: That's a great question. I think the one thing would be uh, that you have an idea in you. And, and even if you don't, I'm sure there's a nugget of wisdom or idea in you. So and then if you do have an idea, go for it not to hold and sit on it, because. Many times we sit on our ideas and then we don't do anything with it, really. There's Mm -hmm. no value created in sitting on an idea. You've got to just go for it and put it out there and see what happens. So I say take action and go for it.
0: Awesome. That's great advice. So I'm sure that listeners are very interested in the product-based businesses and the services that you offer. So if people are looking for you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, you can find me anywhere. My handle is at Nicole Delarzac, And my website is NicoleDelarzac.com. And if you go to Facebook, you can join my free Facebook group, which is the Productpreneur Community. And I also have a podcast called the Productpreneur Podcast.
0: Awesome. So people can find your podcast on any podcast platform. That's correct. Any podcast platform. Perfect. And I'm going to leave the links in the show notes for everybody for easy access. And thank you so much for coming on the show today, Nicole. I've really appreciated this conversation. It's been really interesting. I feel inspired to start thinking about products that I can produce and start selling. So I hope others feel the same way. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Nicole.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been such a pleasure and I, I hope your listeners learned something. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Business Society Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And never forget, nobody will ever care about your money as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.